We are just a month away from Easter Sunday. Praise God. And uh, I'm excited about that, about seeing people come here. We have all kinds of plans for Easter Sunday. Uh, Not to mention people will be here. Uh, We'll be doing two services, uh, and we'll spread people out. If we get too many people, I'll put them out in the front yard, open the side door, whatever I have to do. Uh, But uh, not only is that happening... Uh, but there are other things that are going along with it. We're, people, people, last year we didn't have any kind of little egg hunts and things like that. This year we're going to do a, a, a little a socially distant egg hunt after church for the kids. You know, So after they leave, they get to go, go through this particular area. We've got it all worked out. It's safe. It's on the way out the door. We're just crazy like that. Uh, we've got all kinds of good stuff that's going on at Freedom, and we're really, really grateful. Anybody thankful for what the Lord's doing at Freedom? Uh, you'll see uh, some notes and some other things that are happening. Even at, if, if for people that can't come, uh, what are we doing at 3 o'clock, dear Lord? Diana, we're doing 3 o'clock. Uh, we're doing a, um, a, a drive-through at this church. We're going to have worship and communion in, in the parking lot. So people want to just drive through and be blessed, we're going to do that. Oh, we're also doing pictures during that time, too, during, at, at 3 o'clock. Uh, so we're going to have a great time. Easter Sunday. I'm excited about it. Anybody else? Just two or three of us. Anybody else? All right. So I'm coming back there. Don't, don't, I'm, I will, I will come out there and preach. All right. I'll break all the protocol. Don't play with me. So uh, I, I'm, I'm beginning, I, I have a word for this season and it comes out of uh, Romans chapter eight and verse 11. It is the same spirit. Say it, the same spirit. The same spirit. Um, and we're going to spend some time learning about this. At the beginning of pandemic, what was in my heart is we may be socially distant, but we're going to be spiritually close. Now, what is the answer to our spiritual closeness? The answer to our spiritual closeness is that we all are supposed to have the same spirit. I don't know if you get that. Jesus uh, when he was raised from the dead, Paul explains this in Romans verse eight, chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, I want you to just look at the first line of that. But if, now underline the word, circle the word if in your notes. But if, that's a really important if. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If we have the same spirit that raised Christ. So the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is supposed to dwell in you and you and you And you, anybody glad for that? And you, again, the operative word here is if. There's so much that we can see in these teachings. We need the same spirit. Now, I taught a few weeks ago from 1 John 4. Wow, I just want to go back and hear me preach that again. It's that good. But 1 John 4 is such a revelation. You should get into 1 John 4. You should read it two or three times. But in 1 John 4, what what we learn 
is that there are two spirits. There is the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and then there is the spirit of Antichrist. And everyone gets one or the other. Right? You say, I didn't ever have that spirit of Antichrist. Yeah, before you knew Jesus, you had the Antichrist. Jesus, no, that's the guy that's coming. No, that's the spirit that is already busy in the world against Jesus. Now, then we hear this promise in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. So I want you to get this. Without the Holy Spirit, you are living in a coffin. Without the Holy Spirit, you are entombed in a coffin of flesh. You're living below your potential, but in the same way Jesus was raised, we can also be raised. Anybody want to be raised today? Anybody want to be raised? Yeah, praise God. So some of you, when you read the scripture, you're, you're only looking at it from one perspective. This resurrection is more than the raising from an earthly grave site. It is the new man rising again, rising from our lives of death. And the benefits of being raised are literally out of this world. Everyone wants to be new. So if we can just get some new clothes or if we can just get a new hairstyle, if we can just lose some weight, buy a new house or a car, there's nothing wrong with that. However, it's just the same old me in a new car. Same mess, new house. Same coffin of flesh that I've lived in all of my life. How many know this flesh is not going to last forever? Anybody know that? This flesh is not going to last forever. But when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and we are baptized in him, we can experience greater life even in a broken world so that we actually live and breathe differently than we lived and breathed before. Is there anyone that remembers the coffin of flesh? Anybody remember the coffin of flesh? Anybody ever walked around as if you were alive, but you were really dead? Has anybody been there? I need a, anybody, anybody been there? And you have felt the death. So now, somebody say, welcome Holy Spirit, welcome Holy Spirit. We actually live and breathe differently. And here's some of the benefit and evidence of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. Warfare of the Spirit. How many know in this world, you don't want to fight without Holy Spirit on your side? I mean, there's a battle raging in this world. I need to be raised in the Holy Spirit. So... My purpose here during this time is I want to get you all full of the Spirit. Amen. You're looking at me. I want all of you. Let me get all Virginia. I want all y'all filled and acknowledging and experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want you not to just experience Holy Spirit on Sunday 
I want you living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, alive in the Spirit, constantly recognizing Holy Spirit is there. Let me just ask you this. How many have had Holy Spirit speak to you this week? Did you write it down? Do you remember what he said? Now, he's, he's talking to us. How many have ever felt him do warfare on your behalf or through you? Is there anyone that has had wisdom from the Holy Spirit? You did not know what to do, and he gave you direction in your lives. Anybody had that happen recently? Have you experienced joy even when there was sorrow? Have you had joy? Have you experienced any joy? Have you overcome some of the attacks of the enemy? Have you done that? I'm talking about being alive in the spirit. Now, I want to add this to this statement. I want to add one more thing to this. When I talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, has anybody ever read the New Testament before? Have you ever read the New Testament? Okay, so, so here's what I see regularly, regularly in the Holy Spirit. They get it together. Now, you can take that however you want it, all right? Get it together. We need to get it together. But when I say it, when I'm using this term, I'm saying that if you saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place and in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you, who was filled? They were all together, and they were all filled, and then where did they go? They all went outside, and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. And you know what the people wanted to know? They wanted to know how they could get what they had. Now, we often give people some religion. But I want you to know, religion without spirit is dead and boring. You're just trying to do stuff. I'm not against you trying to live well. I'm not against that. I'm just saying that the joy and the peace and the love, all of that and the power comes from the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our homes, in our marriages, in our family. But we need him in the church. And we need to get him together. Amen. I don't know what it's going to take to do that. Are we during the season just going to have to get together during the week and pray? Amen. Some people get nervous now. Pastor, what are you going to do? Have a revival or something? Don't play with me. If we've ever needed to get him together, we need him now. Amen. And we can't play anymore. Anybody paying attention to what's going on in the world? We can't play anymore. We need in 2021 to all get Holy Spirit in our lives together. I'm making people nervous. Okay. That was the way the church experienced him before. It's the way we need him now. Yes, Lord. Anybody ever read my pastoral job description? I'm counselor. I'm comforter. I'm the prophet. I'm the teacher. I'm the healer. You got to be careful or you will make me your Holy Spirit. We don't need Holy Spirit. We got Pastor Rick. 
I cannot fill those shoes. I cannot. I cannot be your Holy Ghost. You're going to have to have the same spirit, all of you together. Some of you think I'm just trying to get you riled up. I, I, I wouldn't mind getting you like really stirred up a little bit. But what I'm saying to you is that you want somebody, some person to be your Holy Spirit. You need to receive Holy Spirit yourself. Amen. Or maybe you have received him. You've just been ignoring him for a long time. Trying to do it on your do it yourself. So, I don't know if you remember Moses. Anybody remember Moses? He went up to the mountain. Remember who went with him? Nobody. Nobody. But now, because of Jesus, we can all go up the mountain together. So we're moving towards resurrection. But before we get to the next month, I want to go ahead now. And stir the pot for Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit descended and rested upon upon them. You might remember another time. Remember when Jesus went and sat with his disciples. Do you remember this time? And he showed them who he was. And then the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He wasn't saying, I just want you to stand up and dance and shout. He was saying, I want... You to receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. And I'm sending you with my Spirit. Come on, just ask yourself the question. Have I received his Spirit? Have I acknowledged Holy Spirit? Somebody say, welcome Holy Spirit. Say, welcome Holy Spirit. I want to breathe on you. I want heaven to breathe on us. And I want all of us to acknowledge, to know, to experience, to walk in, talk in, live in the Spirit of God. So today I want to I talk about some of these things. And I've given you some categories already, some things that happen. I want to talk today about the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll work our way forward to the resurrection and ultimately uh, the, the outpouring of, of the Spirit for the cause of the harvest. With the, with the theme being uh, the same Spirit. We all need the same Spirit. And how do we need to get Him? Together. How do we get him? Together. Together. Galatians chapter 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, read this with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Whoa. I don't know, Pastor. You don't know what's going on in the world. Now, in the world, you don't see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You don't see it in this world, right? So that's why you think it's ridiculous. But we see that all of this comes by the Spirit of God. Let me give you some context here because Paul is writing uh, here in Galatians because he has encountered a problem in the church of Galatia. And the problem is that a number of the people in the church had determined that in order to be saved, you must have faith plus something else. Paul is writing because they are adding all of the other things. You must have faith plus the law of Moses. You must have faith plus 
Sabbath keeping. You must have faith plus all the ceremonial laws and sacrifices. You must have faith plus circumcision. Yes, I said that. But that is not the truth. The truth is, and Paul is trying to drive home this point, salvation requires faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord and Jesus alone. Not faith in somebody else, not faith in each other, but faith in Jesus Christ. Anybody have that? Anybody have faith in the Lord Jesus? So what about living righteously? Some of you are concerned about that already. You have to understand that you don't do righteous acts so that you can get saved. You do acts of righteousness and service because you are saved. Because the Spirit of Christ dwells inside of you. You live right, you do right, you talk right, you walk right because of who you are. It is evidence. It is your heritage. Why? Why do I love people now when I didn't love them before? It's because the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells inside of you. So why do I hate so much? Wrong spirit. Am I calling it the way it, I heard that? So, our righteous acts are a manifestation of the knowledge of Jesus. It's not merely a man who died and went to heaven. But it is our conviction and our confession of Jesus as our king. He is Lord. Somebody shouted, he is Lord. He is king. Now, out of that faithful position of life, our life is changed and transformed. I want to know him. Anybody want to know him? Anybody want to know him? I also want to be like him. We're not trying to earn our way to heaven. We are, in fact, new creations. We are new creatures in Christ. And that newness, that lifestyle, is all evidence of not only being buried in baptism but being raised in the newness of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are looking like I'm teaching. Some of you are looking at me funny this morning. I don't know what that is. I'm not going to ha-ha funny. But Paul talks about this in Galatians because the question is raised. If people are saved, then why are we behaving like this? I'm telling that. and Some of you are looking down the row. Because you know some of the people sitting in this room and their behavior doesn't reflect their salvation. I ain't talking about any of this row over here. Let me tell you, our lives are a reflection of something. And Paul's drawing a line. Everyone is not walking according to the Spirit. Now let, me, let me show you what the enemy's trying to do in the church these days. Galatians 5.15. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Whoa. Galatians 5.16. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. 
For the flesh lusts, the, the lust of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against my flesh. These are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things you wish. So my flesh is telling me something, but my spirit is in control. Come on. Verse 19, he lists a bunch of those things. Now be careful. Don't, don't read this. You Don't read this, okay? Because if you read this, you might discover some truth that you don't want to discover. Some of you hadn't ought to read the Bible. It just make you upset. No, you should read the Bible. You know my spirit of sarcasm is rising up. Listen. This scripture is like a credit report. And everybody wants a good credit report. As long as you ain't buying a house, though, you're cool. You don't even have to look at it. I remember after, after, right after Diane and I got married, we didn't have a sofa. We, we, somebody gave us one that kind of had holes in it. No, it did. And it was, and I, I'm busting on it, but it was what they used to call trailer furniture. And that's what we got. Somebody gave it to us. And we thought, well, you know, maybe we can get some credit. We didn't have any credit. We didn't have any money. They just looked at it and said, you can't have this. Why not? You don't make much money. You ain't. Anyway, that was 100 years ago. As long as you aren't planning on being a part of the kingdom of heaven, as long as you're not planning on living out your faith, Jesus, help him preach today. It's like a credit report. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery and fornication and uncleanness. These are dead works, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. You know, like everything that's being preached in our world right now, heresies. There are churches that are preaching heresy right now. Because they don't want to stand up. They just don't want to preach the truth. Heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness. And you can put other addictions and enslavements there. Revelries and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's evidence. Somebody say amen. It's evidence of what spirit controls you. I love you. That's why I'm telling you the truth right now. That's pretty heavy. He's saying this. Fruit will reveal what kind of tree you are. Just because you see a tree, you don't know it's an apple tree unless you go see apples on the tree. I love the word fruit. Anybody love that? It's fruit. It's the byproduct. It's the evidence. So I'd like to spend a little time inspecting our fruit today. Matthew 7, 17, a good tree produces good fruit, bad tree produces bad fruit, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. These are, this is what Jesus said. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into a fire. Should I just do an altar call right now? Is that what we should do? Just, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Don't be judging me, Pastor Rick. I'm just reading the Bible. That's the Holy Ghost dealing with you right now. We're in a different time in our world. We've all grown up together. 
We're all part of the same nation, same economy, live in the same neighborhoods. We're so diverse. And diversity in the kingdom of God is good. But now we're being told to cancel our gender. Let the baby decide for itself whether it wants to be a boy or a girl. Now, that would have been a joke a long time ago, but that's actually what is being promoted in our society and in our nation. All right? The same nation that was formed because some people planted a cross not far from here. You hear what I'm telling you? We are being told to cultivate our fleshly passions and live accordingly. Ask yourself, what does your flesh want to do and say yes to that, and then you will be happy. How many know that's a lie? Come on, wave at me if you know that's a lie. I say we're in the last days, that's what I'm telling you, and I have a responsibility as your pastor to help you in these days. The final days are a time of separation, according to Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field, but that night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. And when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the seeds also grew, and the farmer's works went, the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Well, look, they're all in the same field. Everything is good. That's not what he said. He said, the enemy has done this. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? It's not time for the weeds to be pulled out. Jesus went on and said this in this parable. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Now, folks, that is too telling of a scripture, is it not? It's too telling of a scripture. It is the truth. Listen, you can't change everybody. But we have to preach the truth. We are servants of the Most High God. So in Galatians, he gives us a list of some some fruits. It's it's starting to get clear, isn't it? I'm not judging you, just inspecting the fruit, all right? Go ahead, try that. I ain't judging you. I'm just saying that this is not Jesus, that's all. I'm just saying according to the Word of God that I've read and I've looked at, it's not, and I'm not telling you to hate people. I'm not telling you to be mean. I'm telling you the love, the the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. It's even long-suffering. It's kindness. It's all of these wonderful things, but at the same time, it is not acceptance of those things that are outside of God's will. He gives us evidence in, these, in this list of, uh, of an individual that is under the control of the Holy Spirit, who is dead to the works of the flesh. So let's begin to talk about the fruit of the Spirit by just talking about one. I could talk about all of them, but can we just talk about love of the Spirit today? Love that is of the Spirit. Love of the Spirit. Not of this world, love of the Spirit. There is love of the world, but there's also love of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. What kind of love is that? We who are of the Spirit are all supposed to have the same kind of love. Agape. Shout it. Agape. All right. You ready for this? Agape. To serve 
and give expecting nothing in return. To serve, to give, expecting nothing in return. Let me help you with this. I love chocolate. No, I love chocolate. But really what I'm saying is I love what chocolate does for me. That's really what I'm saying. I love the way chocolate makes me feel. I love it when it's melting in my mouth. I love a Hershey bar when I break it open and bite into it. I love chocolate in my ice cream. I like chocolate truffle ice cream. Four, five, six scoops, one bowl just for me, nobody else. I, I love what it does for me. I don't agape chocolate. I don't look at chocolate, take a bite of it, and expect it not to provide my needs. Same way you say, I love you to a lovely man or a woman. Because you don't say, I love you. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about somebody else. You don't say, I love you. What you're saying is, I want you. I want you to provide. Come on, preach, Pastor. I, can I preach in this room? Let me look around the room. See all the kids upstairs, maybe. Okay. I want from you. That's what you're saying. Say, remember the first time I told, I told my, he's probably listening in California. I told Lauren when he wanted to date my daughter, I said, you can date her, but don't you dare tell her you love her till you ask me if it's okay. That was my call. Don't you tell her I love you. Don't you do that because that is a misappropriated term in our culture. Anybody want to praise God with me right now for the truth? Because I love you says, I can get pleasure out of you and I'll do whatever it takes to get from you what I want. I love you. But, but godly covenant says, godly covenant love says, I know you could never supply everything my flesh wants. So I'm going to enter into covenant and care for you and love you and provide for you and bless you even when you can't do it in return. Some people say, no, I don't, I don't get that. No, wait, wait. Has anybody lived a long time in marriage before? Have you done that? Have you seen your daddy take care of your mama, your mama take care of your daddy when they could do nothing but lie there? Have you seen somebody who was struggling with Alzheimer's and somebody who loved them when there was nothing they could receive but they cared for them and held on to them? You see, some people are in love with the idea of love. I'm talking about the fruit of love. I'm not saying that you shouldn't bless one another, but as long as you're just doing stuff for each other, for what you can receive, your relationship is doomed. Mm. I ask people when they say they want to get married, they'll come in, sit in my office, and I'll say, okay, so how long do you want to be married? I always ask that question. If you've come in and sat with me, I always ask, how long do you want to be married? Some of you will say, 
forever, for all eternity. You don't know what you're talking about, sweetie. You just don't. You just don't know what you're saying. I always want to be married. That's good. I love good marriage vows. I really do. I love it when people start talking about, you know, this covenant to love. And, but then you start saying in good times, in bad times, and on and on. When really in the fine print it should say in good times, as long as they don't get really, you know, in bad times, as long as they don't get really bad. Good times, as long as I, it's my definition of a good time. When you have two people loving one another like that, you can't destroy the relationship. You can, and you can only do that by the Spirit. Agape love is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of someone else. Agape isn't born just out of emotions or feelings or familiarity or attraction, but from the will and as a choice. Agape requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. In this divided, messed up world, the church has to do more than talk love. We have to live love. We have to love people that hate us. Can I get an amen? And Jesus said this regularly, this, this theme in John 13, 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Why? We can't tear them apart. We can't divide them. We can't split them up. Did you hear that? If you have love. I met some Christians that can speak in tongues but despise me so bad that they wouldn't speak to me. Despise one another, live in hate. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's an unknown tongue all its own. I've, I've seen divided churches, hateful people singing in the choir. I see, I ain't standing over there next to... Mm. Come to church celebrating Easter and the resurrection, but so mad all the time. They can't look at the right side of the church. I am sitting because you know who sits over there. I'm not talking about this church. Listen, by this, all men will know because your walk is a demonstration of God's love. The way you live is a demonstration of God's love. 1 John 4, 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? We are called to love. And when we have the same spirit, we will love each other. Can I talk to some homes right now? You know, brothers and sisters... How many know your mouth can kill a relationship? Let me teach you something. Hush for a minute. That's it. Just be quiet for a minute. We live in a world that, it, that, that, that pretends that all that matters. I don't want to just hang into this, but we pretend that all that matters in our culture is sexual identification. That's what we pretend, that if we can fix that, then everything else will be fixed. It's not the truth. You know, we live in a world that is struggling so much. In fact, really, everybody wants to be sexy. Men didn't used to want to be sexy, but now men working on it, working all up trying to be sexy. 
I don't need muscles to pick stuff up. I need muscles because I want them to see my six-pack. And I, I ain't against your six-pack. I wouldn't mind to have two or three or something anyway. I... <laughs> Men working it all so hard trying to be sexy and get all sexy, and then their marriage blows up. Can I tell you, there's nothing sexier than a man or a woman that can shut up for a moment and listen to the other individual and learn. Love is not sexuality. Love is serving without manipulation. It, I, again, I, help me, Jesus. All right? I mean, let me, let me tell you a really sexy thing to say, guys. You ready? All right? Okay, baby, I heard you, and I'm going to do better. What? Good lad, she'll be lighting candles all over the house. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm listening. I hear you. I, I'm telling some, some people say, Pastor, I ain't married. I might get married. Listen, I'm teaching you right now. You need to write this down in your little notebook of really cool things that Pastor Rick said one day. <laughs> Ladies, same thing. Listen, 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 listen. Listen more than you talk. Listen to each other. Find out what they, their needs are. Meet those particular me needs for one another. Hear each other. Serve each other. Love each other with your ears. Help me, Jesus. Listen, husbands, since I'm talking about this, while you're working so hard, thinking about how much you love her, sometimes she sees it from a different perspective. Her vantage point is different from her vantage point you might just be doing all these things looking for repayment. All that you're doing, because I'm doing all of this. And then when you get into it, you say, well, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Next question. So what were you expecting? Good answer would be nothing, just because I love you. Real love. Uh, again. Real love is hopeful, but it doesn't act with expectation of return. You need the Holy Spirit for that. Folks, listen, can I tell you, if you're going to be in relationships, you need God's love. God will take care of providing your needs, but when the Holy Spirit is in charge of your life, your love will rise to a whole new different level. This is a whole new level of fruit. John 15 and 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides lives in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Anybody found that to be the truth? And he explains this further in verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. We are commanded to love like Jesus loves. That's when it's powerful. That's when it makes a difference. Come on, children of God. When you can love each other, even when you've been treated wrong, when you haven't seen somebody in a long time, when they abandon you, you keep loving. Personally, I've had people try to hurt me, try to destroy my reputation, said nasty things about me. I've had it, and I found my healing when I allowed the Holy Spirit to come to me, and I got on my face, and I prayed for those who wounded me, who hurt me, who tried to destroy my life. Anybody glad Jesus died for you? Anybody glad? Aren't you glad that he loved you? Aren't you glad that Jesus loved you so much that he didn't hold your past against you? You came to him 
the real, you had the realization of who he was and all of that. Are you glad Jesus ain't like we are? Imagine Jesus jumping off the cross, going to the grave, arriving from the dead, getting out of the grave and looking at you and saying, you know, it's like off the Mari show or something. Yeah. You're just getting what's coming to you. Don't be praying to me and acting all spiritual, cursing and swearing, sleeping around, and now you want me to forgive you of your sins and pour my blessings off on you? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say that to you? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he came off the cross to love and forgive you and he said it was his commandment, this is my commandment, that you love each other as I have loved you. Come on, we love one another, we restore one another, we build up one another. We don't just see their faults, we see their possibilities, amen. We care about them the way that Jesus cares. We are here to restore. That's how we live as the body of Christ. We just keep restoring, we keep loving, we keep lifting each other up, we keep forgiving one another. That's why the church is still alive. When other things have fallen apart, we keep loving. We keep working it out. We keep giving. How do we do this? We do it by the same spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Our love is a Holy Spirit kind of love. That's one of the ways I know that I am a child of God. There are times when I just can't do it. Anybody have people injure you? disappear, and then show back up in your life. <laughs> you know what that is for you? That's, did somebody say opportunity? I thought I... It was sitting in the back. Listen, It's an opportunity. That's what it is. It's an opportunity to love them the way that Jesus loves. That's what it is. It's, it's your chance. I am a child of God. That's who I am. So some of you, God is calling. You see, the lust of the flesh is not just sexual sin. Your flesh also loves vindication and people getting what they deserve. And you look at them saying, yeah, glad to see you finally got it. Jesus loved people who hated him and he restored them. That's why people hated Jesus for hanging out with sinners because they wanted to see them destroyed. Jesus loved them and wanted to see them made whole, and regenerated. That's the spirit of love. I'm going there. Anybody with me? Spiritual love will engage people that hate you. But I say to you who here love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Now, now don't miss the point here. He said, love your enemies. Those who want to see you fail. He ain't even talking about the people in your house. That should already be understood. You ought to love the people in your house, right? He said, love your enemies. Now, don't quench the Holy Spirit here. Because the Holy Spirit is moving you to love people that you don't want to love. Can't even hear. You know, I'd give some other names. You couldn't even listen to them. You know, God has blessed me with some awesome enemies in my life. Just awesome enemies. Praise Jesus. Just some awesome enemies. I can't even talk about some of them. Can't even bring it up. But, but then God says, 
Love your enemies. Do good. Look, you, you don't want me to read this scripture because the Holy Spirit will jerk you up and set your heart straight. Okay, so I want you to get this because you say, Pastor, you're just trying to make me do things. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to make you do anything. What I'm trying to do is stir the Spirit of God up in your life so that you will live the joyful, full of love life that he intended for you to live. Okay? You, you got this? Luke 6, 30, 30, 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. He's just giving these examples. He's just kind of, can you see how he's stirring people up? Okay, do I, okay, I'm supposed to turn. No, what he's saying is, don't avoid people who have hurt you. Love them. Verse 30, give to everyone who asks them. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? That should be easy. For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. Verse 34. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm telling you to love people who have hurt you, embarrassed you, and because of the Holy Spirit, you're going to change. That's what we're saying. If I keep giving them the same hate that they gave me, then maybe they'll be transformed. What lie are you believing? No, you keep loving people. I'm not telling you, I'm not, I'm not telling you to set up some, uh, not to set up some healthy boundaries. But if your boundary is not uh, allowing you to love others, you've got a spiritual problem. Stop fighting over parking places. Freedom is a loving church. I'm done preaching now. I, I messed with you enough. There are people in this room right now who know God is calling you out of the mess of earthly, fleshly love. You're hearing me. Holy Spirit stirring you. You know, part of it, how many was raised in hate? Anybody ever raised in hate? Were you ever raised in hate? Raised in hate. You raised in hate. You know how to fuss with people. You know how to kick people to the curb. You're good at it. You're a professional. You watched people in your life live that way. And now you've got a rut in your head. So when bad things happen, you immediately go to, come on, don't you be talking to me that way. You know? You know what I'm saying? Raised that way. Some people are that way because they're bitter, not because of what I have done, but because of something someone else has done. And the bitterness takes root. And it's just looking for an outlet because you're so full of bitterness. It just takes this, just something to happen. And that bitterness just erupts in their direction. Am I preaching right now? Old heart wounds. You hate men because of what your daddy did. 
I get a yes? You don't have to say yes. This is personal and private, isn't it? You hate women because of an abandonment issue. You don't want to talk about it. But that's in your flesh. But here's the good news. You don't have to continually walk in a coffin of flesh. You get to die to the flesh. That's what baptism is about. Did you know that? It's about burial and resurrection and the newness of life. He said, he said, just go ahead and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord. Believe in your heart. Believe. Confess. Do that. Let's be baptized and let's be filled with the Spirit. All of us together. Let's be filled with the Spirit. Can I tell you what Jesus did for me? Anybody else? How many know when I, when I sing Reckless Love, I know that song's all about me, all right? I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. If Je- Jesus came after me, and if Jesus came after me, that same love that came after me dwells inside of me, makes me want to go after other people. I'm going to put up with some stuff, Pastor. I know. Some, some, some of you need to go ahead and make a list of all of those you already wrote off, cussed out. All those people that you have decided for the rest of your life you will avoid. If you just do good to those who have done good to you, that's what sinners do. That's what Jesus said. If I only do good to those who do good to me, that's what sinners do. I want you to bless those who are hurt. Those who are hurt towards it. It might cost you something, but ultimately it will cause your flesh to die and the spirit of the Lord to rise up. Don't wait for an apology to love somebody. Amen. Everybody okay? Because I'm going to do one more thing now. Because according to scripture, one of the things that you do before you receive the supper of the Lord is you consider those individuals that you're walking in unforgiveness towards. He says, never. He says, I don't want you to receive this. I don't want you to receive this in such a way that it brings more brokenness into your life. I don't want you, I want you to receive communion with me because you're going to walk in communion with me. Anybody want to receive communion? Anybody want to receive communion? Come on, stand with me, everyone. Help me, Jesus. Jesus. That was too heavy, I tell you. I have never seen people stare at me while I preached like I did that time. I just... Isn't it amazing? Sometimes you can hear the word and it's like your mind starts going, okay, now why is that not true? You know, why is... And I gave you so much scripture to back up the, the love of the Spirit that you cannot avoid what I just taught you. You can't. You say, well, what if, my, what if my feelings are hurt? Love anyway. Then you might say, well, pastor, you don't understand. People did to you what they did to me. Okay, I realize that I cannot compare notes with some of you. I get that. But it's the same brokenness no matter what level it might be. I have, I've preached it to you. I've told you my brokenness. I've told you my stories. I I haven't got anything that I'm hiding from you. And God calls us all to love. And then he takes it to that deep level. Love your enemies. Love those who have tried to hurt you. Come on, you're not ready to take this. You ain't ready to take my communion today. I don't think you are.
Come on, just close your eyes for a moment before you start drinking grape juice. Come on, close your eyes for a moment. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what I need to know right now. Just say that, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Reveal to me those things I need to know, the ways that you're going to change me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for setting me free, Lord Jesus. And now, Lord Jesus, I die to my desire for vindication. I die to my desire to walk in bitterness. Raise me up, Holy Spirit. Raise me up. Say it. Raise me up, Holy Ghost. Raise me up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. You ready? Are you ready? Anybody ready? Are you sure? You want to receive communion? All right. Now, as you receive this communion, you're going to walk away from this house walking in the love of the Spirit. Are you with me? Are you with me? This is too rich. This is too good. It's a challenge. Some people want that, you know, you know, you just want cheap Jesus. You want, you know, I want, I want like, give me, you know, give me like five dollars worth of Jesus, you know, just I'm giving you all the Jesus, the whole Jesus. How many want Holy Spirit? Anybody want Holy Spirit just to live and dwell in you? Now listen, I'm telling you that, but your flesh is saying, nah, not really. Not really. I want just enough spirit so I don't have to. So, so I can still smack somebody. That's what I, you know. So I can still hang on to my brokenness. Somebody say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Set me free. Fill me with your love. Be challenged by this word. Jesus said, I want you to receive this communion. My bread and my blood. My body and my blood. This bread is my body. This cup is my blood. I want you to have communion with me. I want you to walk with me. Lord, as we receive the communion today, we say we want the communion of your love. We not only want to receive your love, but we want to transmit your love in Jesus' name. Amen. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Receive it in Christ. blood of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. Now, Lord, we will forgive others. In Christ, receive the cup. I want some of my altar workers to come because this teaching has baffled some of you. So I want some altar workers to come and be ready because some of you are struggling with anger. Some of you are struggling with bitterness. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus. And my altar workers are going to come and stand here in the altar area. So if you need prayer, listen, listen. You know, one of the best ways to overcome this is to confess it. Can I get an amen from somebody? To confess it. So I have people that will be standing in the altar. If you want prayer, come and talk with them. Let them pray with you. Confess that area of brokenness in your life and walk in the newness of Christ as you're dismissed. You're also welcome to come for prayer. We're going to sing a little bit and worship the Lord Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless you. Be dismissed as you choose. You want prayer? Just come forward now.